Welcome to That's Deep, Bro. Serious questions with silly people. My guest today is a fantastically funny Andy Haynes, and we are discussing the 12 steps. What the fuck are the 12 steps? (laughs) What's AA? I feel like you hear about it, but I don't think anybody... Do we really know what all that stuff is? And why do some people not like AA? That's kind of my question, right? Uh, But before we get into that... Uh, please support my show by using my Amazon banner at uh, that'sdeepbropodcast.com. If you click on my banner when you do your Amazon shopping, it kicks back some money to my show. And, like, listen, you need to be using Amazon for your life because I don't like to leave my house. Do you, Andy? No. It's the worst, right? I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> don't leave your house. Do what I do. Do all your shopping online. Isolate yourself. Uh, from other people emotionally, spiritually, physically. That's what they tell you in AA, right? Like, isolate. Draw the blinds. (laughs) That's, like, one of our biggest sayings. (laughs) Draw the blinds. Um, Please check out my new comedy album, Man of the Year. You may download that on iTunes or uh, CD Baby if you don't like iTunes. I know some of you don't like iTunes. And I'm also releasing the first 100 copies, physical copies of my album, signed, the first 100. And I'm selling that on thatsdeepropodcast.com and thousandranch.com. Is there anything else I can bombard you with? No. Oh, oh. Do you live in Indianapolis? Come see me do stand-up there at Morty's Comedy Joint, February 19th through 21st. And then I'm doing one night in... Louisville, Louisville, Kentucky at the Laughing Derby on that Sunday to round out that nice little uh, trip. So, yeah, come see me. And then March 5th through 8th, I am at the D.C. Improv in Washington, D.C. That's the District of Columbia. And follow me on Twitter, at Christina P. (sighs) Did you just hear that? Did you fucking believe that, Andy? And the perfection... The perfectionist in me is so mad. I'm so mad at myself right now that I let that happen. But nothing broke. No. Okay, good. <laughs> Follow my guest, Andy Haynes, on Twitter. It's at I'm Andy Haynes. I am, and then A-N-D-Y-H-A-Y-N-E-S. Very funny comedian, Andy. Check your shit out. Okay, well, I'm going to play a little song. I couldn't, it's so funny. You know, when you're on the spot to think of a song about addiction, you're like, I don't know, anything by the Velvet Underground. And then, um, I don't know, let's just do Jane's Addiction, because who the fuck doesn't love Jane's Addiction? We're in LA, for God's sakes, and they're an LA band. Are they not? Are they from LA? Yeah, uh, yeah I want to say they they're. They came to LA eventually. They got to be like, yeah, because Perry Farrell has always been talking about surfing. So where he, else are you going to surf? Yeah, I know he's not from here, but he's, he's of here now. Okay, here we go.
there you go. Trip away, man. Trip away. And that's what we're talking about today with Andy Haynes. Tripping away. Tripping. <laughs> so, Andy, tell us about your life. Where are you from? What's your story? I'm from uh, Seattle, Washington. Yeah. With uh, some stints in D.C. and New York. Oh. And now, well, and also Tahoe. That was really That's young. so random. Tahoe was because I was b- briefly trying to be a professional skier. Are you so serious? briefly. Yeah, and I look back on it now and it's like <laughs> I had no business trying to be a professional skier. I Very was, few people do. I was That's a tough one. N- not that good. What? Uh, <laughs> and had, then, had you skied your whole life? Like were you Yeah, I started when I was like three. And I was like, okay. I'm better than any like weekend warrior. Probably not anymore. Okay. But uh that's kind of a bougie sport. I'm not gonna lie. Like you gotta have some, you gotta have some cash to to ski, yeah, right? Were yeah. your parents wealthy? Uh, there was a period of time where my father was. He um, he blew a couple fortunes trying to become like. A, he always like wanted to be an entrepreneur, and he's not good at it. <laughs> and uh, he would like blow his fortunes, and then I would not ski as much. And then um, <laughs> in high school, I like worked worked the system. I'd be like a ski instructor one day to get a free season's pass. Ooh, smart. And then I would like work at ski shops to get free gear. Oh, it's so smart. And then I would just, uh, like, me and my best friend Zach would steal one of our parents' cars. Not steal, literally, but, you know. Borrow. Borrow and ski, like, we'd ski, like, 100 days a year. We we were big into it. Good for you. That's a healthy. But I blew out both both my knees. Oh. My hips fucked up. Oh, that's no good. So now I see a chiropractor three times a week. Oh, Uh, shit, really? It just started because they were like, hey, you have scoliosis. And I was like, cool, sounds fun. Oh, no. um, scoliosis does sound fun, right? Sounds like it's, pasta. It's like yeah, it's a party. It's a, yeah. it's a party ailment. You guys want to go to scoliosis? <laughs> uh, yeah. Hell's uh, yeah. But that's so. Are you in a lot of pain now? Like, do you? No, I'm painful? actually. I'm. I'm in pretty good shape. Yeah. Okay. Like, not literally. I. I. I have that. Like, I guess when you turn 32, you just like, <laughs> you. You like gain weight um, from Thanksgiving until the Super Bowl. Yeah. And then, like, you maybe lose half that, and then you gain more the next year, and then it's just... Oh, it's it's a nonstop battle. It's a battle. So, um, I'm not in great shape, but I'm getting, like, as far as, like, back pain and all that stuff, I'm getting better. You look healthy. Yeah, other than cigarettes. Those are, like, that's my, my most recent... And Diet Coke. Oh, I love cigarettes. Cigarettes and, and Diet, Diet Coke. Coke. That's good. I love cigarettes. Um... I don't smoke. I used to smoke from the time I was 13 to 30, and then I quit at 30. So I haven't smoked in eight years. But you know what? I loved it. It kept me skinny. It really reduced my anxiety. <laughs> it's been good it's a for. Good habit. It's been great for getting It'll sober. Kill you, but oh, it's yes. the worst. And it then is. I like tried to get one of those vape things. That's uh, not going to do it. And it was like it did the job as far as like this is smoking. But um, yeah. it was so douchey. It's like it's I have this fucking wand. And, I'm like, <laughs> and then I'm like going to places where like dudes are telling me, you know, it's like one of those subcultures where they're like, you really need to spend like $500. Oh. And you're like, no. And they're like, well, pff, your vape's not going to be high quality. It's like, I'm not interested in this. Yeah, it, it is, I guess. Because I see people vaping in comedy clubs and I, I'm fine with it. I kind of am indifferent because I'm like, I get it. I smoked. Mm-hmm. I get, um, I get that stuff. I, uh, first of all, I, I just want to say that I, I met you very recently. We, we met mm-hmm. doing Sketch Fest and, in San Francisco a couple weeks ago. 
And I loved that you on stage talk about being an AA. And, mm-hmm. and it's funny because you immediately go, you're not supposed to talk about that. <laughs> you're not. And I, and, I, and I know you're not supposed to kind of like say who else is in it with you. But I didn't. I was unaware that that was a thing. Mel Gibson. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Oh, oh. <laughs> I'm like, you know that guy? No, I bet I, he probably does some kind of, I don't know, actually, because I've never really heard about him. I've heard about him going to rehab, but. Um, but why are you not supposed to admit that you're in that program? Well, the stigma here's the thing is that I don't really know. I've been lectured. Um, I'm not supposed to say I'm an AA. So for all shits and giggles, let's just say I'm in the 12-step program. You can say, now why can you say that as opposed to? Because AA is a formal organization or something like a brand and uh yeah i see what you're saying okay. they're a non-profit something but they're you know they're bylaws and it's it's kind of an amazing program in the sense that it really thought of everything like in the 30s they thought of everything yeah they thought of like they didn't spell it out but the way they set it up it's like it's a program that's available to black white homosexual transgender married divorced Um, It works for a lot of different addictions, you know, like Mm -hmm. it's basically the groundwork for N.A., Narcotics Anonymous, um, Sex uh, and Love Addicts, um, which is a thing, SLA. Of course. And then there's, you know, Overeaters Anonymous, all these things. And they all basically come from the same um, disease. It is. It's it's compulsive behaviors. Compulsive behaviors. Addiction really is um, is rooted in self that's kind of ain't that everything God, you yeah. just said like my 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 eyeballs and my earballs lit up because i yeah here's my here's my kind of thinking on all of this i'm in therapy we discussed this mm-hmm. I, i'm in psychotherapy and i love it yeah i've been in it for years and I, from what i've watched <laughs> of dr drew on celebrity rehab and i i love these shows i love obsessed <laughs> right now on netflix yeah. about people who have ocd and then they have to break the compulsion with a with a cognitive behavioral therapist what appears to me to be is that human beings you're born you're a ball of need you're a little tiny baby mm-hmm. and when well, i'm in the crib somebody love me somebody help me please and if you don't have or you not actually some people have a lot of boxes checked in terms of childhood care and you grow up and everybody has kind of holes in their psyche some people have trauma and if that stuff doesn't get resolved the trauma at least on celebrity rehab is what i've seen (laughs) if that trauma isn't relieved or dealt with that's when humans kind of from what from what you know my limited watching on television being in therapies we kind of develop compulsions to deal with it right eating which is what i used to do smoking drinking Mm -hmm. Or you develop an OCD to maybe handle the anxiety of the uncomfortable feelings. But at the end of the day, it does feel like, it seems like, there are feelings that happen in us as people because of the whole that was created from childhood, right? Yeah. And either you deal with those feelings in the moment or you reach for something to fill that hole. That, like, I got to drink. I got to mm-hmm. eat. I got to get that hit. And it could be sex. It could be shopping. It could be anything to get the hit to not deal with the feelings. Yeah, definitely. That's kind of my theory. Is a lot that, of it does is that feel that way to you. <laughs> I mean, it, I I think it's kind of uh, yeah, exactly it. Um, okay. It's bizarre because you know uh, addiction transcends class and oh, human. It's um, you know it's it, it fits into so many things that manifests itself in so many ways, um, and it's weird because you know like 
there's addiction in like indigenous cultures, especially like, you know, like, um, native Americans, like their blood doesn't metabolize alcohol the same way. And it's like kind of a different, it's like almost like an epidemic, like most reservations are dry, Mm. but you know, like to think like, there's like, when I think about it, like nature versus nurture and things like that, it's like my parents, uh, my mom had postpartum depression. I don't think we like had a lot of good contact as a kid. And then Mm. it got worse as I became a bad kid. Um, oh, and that's my favorite, by the way, because my mom's a mental mental patient. Oh yeah, <laughs> she's yeah. She's a borderline now. She's schizophrenic, and I love that. That's what happens is they they raise you funky, right? Yeah. And then one day you become a quote bad kid. Yeah. That was always my favorite on Jerry Springer when the the angry teenagers on and they're like, "This, this kid's so bad," and they berate the kid, and yeah. they're like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, wait a minute! Yeah, that kid wasn't created in a vacuum. Like somebody, some causal chain fucking happened, bro." You don't just wake up. I mean, some people do wake up with mental illness and cray-cray, but nine I mean, times I, out of ten. And I definitely have some cray-cray. I mean, I definitely have like a chemical <laughs> imbalance. Uh, but I take... Oh, uh, I love it. I take very well-designed pills for that. So um, what what brand of cray-cray are you? What do you, what do you battle with? Probably just chemical imbalance, depression. You're depressed, um, yeah. I, I have depression. Sure. Um, although I don't really know because I take antidepressants now. And I don't really have depression. And when I was diagnosed with depression, I was smoking. I mean, I basically started smoking pot. The first time I smoked pot was 12 years old. Mm. and It's a good year. It's when I started. <laughs> I really started picking it up regularly around senior of high school. And I've smoked pretty frequently since then. In the last two years being the most where I smoked about an eighth a day. Wow. Yeah, I got, I got real funky. Oh. So how do you get to... How do you... How? Because I know people, I know comics who smoke pot all day and mm-hmm. function like they're functioning, but are they really? And how do you get to an eighth day? Like, I, you know, it's like, I think for me, it was, I, I went through a lot of shit mm-hmm. and I also have had such a hard time being Andy my whole life yeah. that with that, like, you know, like the more I could check out, the better. Yeah. And to the point where like, I was like on auto like where there'd be times where I'd just be like, you got a show and then you got a podcast and then you got to go to yeah, work. That's what I do. I fill it with work. And then I was just like, but like to float through that was kind of awesome for me. I don't know why yeah. I liked it, but I just loved it. I loved like this weird, like, like I was like, I had this itinerary, but I was like drunk, you know, like, yeah. and it was just kind of awesome to me. Um, and I functioned at a pretty high level. I mean, I, Worked two years on a TV show. I got rehired. Um, Stoned every day. Yeah, I didn't really smoke before work. There was occasional days where I would smoke, like, the roach from last night on the way to work. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But I was pretty good about not getting high at work just because it was such a good job. I didn't want to fuck that up. Mm -hmm. But the second I got off work, games begin. I mean, literally, Mm. got to my car, rolled a giant split. (laughs) lit it as i was leaving the gates of the warner lot like sure just going um and i did that about every day oh i get it i get it man i I watch obsessed on netflix Mm -hmm. and i get it i i I get it because i struggle with with loving me and i struggle (laughs) and it sounds corny as shit but i think the don't kick my foot with your foot for fuck's sake i'm I'm sorry just kidding um but i think that so many humans isn't that the fundamental struggle is that most of us, I think, and if you're honest with yourself, a lot of us have a really negative inner voice that 
that evil chatterbox in your brain tells you false things a lot. And I don't know where it comes from, but, and it's little shit, you know, it's like unconscious and validating stuff. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, I, I think that, uh, it's, it's hard because, you know, like part of it is like, you got to love yourself, but also part of it is that you got to get the fuck out of your own head. Yeah. That's like the hardest part. It's like, you got to have a good relationship with you. Yes. But at the same time, you also got to be like, who cares about me? It's not all about me. Yeah. And I mean, that's why I like drugs. And that's why I liked alcohol because I had so many emotions. I, you know, not only did I have like kind of a rough patch with my parents, I dealt with some, I don't want to say sexual abuse. I got molested when I was like a kid in kind of a traumatic situation where I was in a body cast. And Oh, my God. Yeah. And we dealt, you know, they tried. It wasn't like they were like, like, they, like hey, you all right? And oh, cool. You know, right. like we went, to, <laughs> we went to therapists and stuff. But I feel like, I don't know, it never got resolved. And then also, um, that's my sister. Um, I... Uh, I never got it resolved and, uh, you know, just other things happen. And like one of the biggest problems with that is that behavior starts to manifest when you're a young person. And then a lot of it times it's like corrosive, right? Like it's like you, you do stuff like you, you act out because of a certain thing like that trauma. Mm -hmm. And then like you are conditioned to act like that and it pushes you farther into the margins of society. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, yes, like you were a goth, right? Yes. Oh yeah. Like a goth, like that's like a kid dying probably for some love and some validation. Yeah. All all of the above. And then you paint yourself like a dead person and people are like, I don't love that at all. And it's like, (laughs) you know, like pushes you farther and farther out there um yeah because you're recreating what feels comfortable to you and even if it's not right <laughs> being dead even on the outside matched what i was feeling on the inside mm-hmm. and managed what i it mirrored what i negative attention that i got growing up yeah right that's yeah. what feels normal to you and i think like you know that's also like with aa which i may or may not be a member of <laughs> there's no membership a 12-step program <laughs> um Oh, and I never got back to that, but I'll get back to that in one second. I think I, I like the fact that I'm part of this gang of the ne'er-do-wells. I really like that. I feel like I'm in Fight Club. Except, yeah, because you're not supposed to talk about it, yeah. right? Here's what it is. Um, that whole thing is like the 11th tradition, which is there's 12 steps, 12 traditions. Yes, we'll get into that. And it's this is all public knowledge, so it's not like I'm letting the cat out of the bag. But the whole idea is that it's a it's a group that's based on attraction rather than promotion. Mm-hmm. And I don't think they ever want to be a group that's like, come join AA. No, you know? it's lame. It won't work that way. And then also a big part of it is there's a lot of people that are in show business and the media sure. and they don't want those people to come out and be like, I'm in AA because then you might have people that are like, I want to go to a meeting and try to like uh, in New York. Sure. There were people that would go to certain meetings to see Eric Clapton and Lou Reed. <laughs> You know, (laughs) like they'd be like, yeah, Yeah. I'm an alcoholic. Will you sign this? And it's like, you don't really want that to happen. So, well, isn't that what happened in Fight Club is that he became a voyeur, uh, as did what's her name? Martha. Sorry. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Marla. Marla. You fucking tourist. I need this. Marla Singer. 
I think so. Oh, it's such a good movie. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, Marla Singer, and 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 she's a tourist. She's a voyeur. That's the whole. Yeah. Point. That's the whole problem. It doesn't work for him when there's a tourist there, and that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and you know the thing is, is like I don't really care. Like it's, I don't care if you know all my business. Like, I got molested. I got a weird relationship with my parents. I've been arrested six times. I got divorced last year. You all, you all know that shit. But there's some people that don't want you to know that they ever blacked out once. Like, it's like <laughs> the deepest shame in their life. And it's not on me to, like... So, like, I understand when people are like, hey, don't fucking talk about this. Yeah. Um, Wait, but how... Can I ask you? Because you're so bold about it. And I, I feel like I had a lot of shame attached to growing up with a mentally ill mom. And I... I think because I felt growing up that I was so alien because there are mm. things in my childhood that I can't just, you, you know what I mean? Like when you grow up weird, let's mm-hmm. say like that, like yeah. you just, there's so many things you can't go, Hey, have you ever, remember that time your mom kicked you out of your house when you were um, eight years old for not cleaning your room right? And you yeah. cried at school all day. And I had some da- of those. <laughs> <laughs> but they're so specific and weird that it makes you feel like such a space alien well, you know, and then and then I would feel shame about that. So I'm I'm trying to say is that it's so rad that you can just rattle off like this happened to me and this and none of this is necessarily it's not your fucking fault. Like you were a victim of a lot of crap in your life and then you eventually take ownership of that and yeah. change it from victimhood to empowering, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. But I think ugh. honestly, well, I think two things. I think everybody everybody's fucked up. Mm-hmm. Like if, and I, I think agree. for Not the just comedians and I hate when people just sing. <laughs> yeah. Look, like, you guys are crazy. No, no. It's accountants like, are yeah, every, doctors. Everybody's lawyers. fucked up. And I think it's like for the longest time, like we had this kind of like fifties mentality in America. I think that really lasted like through the late eighties, like, you know, like the Reagan era, like where it was like, <laughs> we're everything's fine. Just like, <laughs> like, you yeah. know, like, uh, <laughs> Wives like their teeth cracking, they're smiling so hard. Um, I feel like that's what social media is now. However, it's the Instagram, it's the Twitter, it's the Facebook. Of everything's great. I have a perfect family. Look at my Christmas yeah. card. I'm really horrible at that. Like so putting on a good face. Oh. <laughs> Look at my Instagram. It's all like dog shit. Yeah. Yeah. But anyways. And so I think I think that there's part of me that's like come up in an era where we have podcasts and we have a lot of access to people and we know that. Not everything's fine. Most people kind of had fucked up relationships and um, fucked up childhoods and, th- you know, like all, all sorts of stuff. And then also it's just like I was so – I'm so fortunate that I I have to be happy with where I'm at. Yeah. Because I was like that guy that nobody had faith in. How are you – how do you feel fortunate? I – because I was – First of all, I was like, I was around some really rough shit as a kid, not by my parents. Or, like I was a latchkey kid and they didn't really know how to discipline me. I was kind of wild and I hung out with real gang members and I hung out with real drug dealers and I hung out with real criminals and thieves and I, I was just so attracted to it and they didn't know how to control me. I mean, like Seattle's like a town that has like very suburban neighborhoods and then they're all in these hills and then you go to the bottom of the hills and there's just like trouble and i you know in middle school i went to a school in the hood and there was gang members and i was gravitated towards that i never joined a gang but i was around kids that brought guns to school and sold crack and wait wait i can't see you did you talk thug Were you yeah like, i talked what's, thug? Up? what's up man what's up guy <laughs> um i said that stuff a lot what was um, your what's up guy yeah like what's up guy 
Hey, homie. Um, I can't see you doing that. And I had a jerry curl at one point. No, you didn't. There's pictures out there somewhere. I'll find it for you. Get your life. Because I... (laughs) A jerry curl. Because here's what it was. I wanted... It wasn't a real jerry curl. It looks like a jerry curl in pictures. I wanted an afro so bad that I had my mom help me perm my hair. But you can't perm white hair tight enough to make it... Oh, shit. To make it a... So I... um, I like let it out and it was just like this like uh, jerry curl on top of my head. I mean it was a perm. It just looked like a perm. That is so rad. And um I did it like I don't know if I did it on purpose, but uh um I I did it like right before um school pictures. So there's like yeah, a school you, picture. You did it on purpose. I I I, I have no idea how it happened, but um we got to see that. So I was around all that shit and then like um, and, and also I was around like those rich kids that were like unparented. Yeah. And so too. they got into a lot of, tr- you know sure. how that is. That's like, the best. yeah, that's for, they get the best teenager. drugs. Uh-huh. They get like, they always have a connection to some dude that's eventually going to like kill somebody in a weird situation. <laughs> um, uh, like an HBO documentary, of course. <laughs> but then, um, I just like, I kind of got into the right group of people in high school and then that kind of saved me in one way. But then when I found alcohol, it kind of brought me not back into that kind of like ne'er-do-well life. But like then alcohol became my like bad world. And by, between the ages of 19 and 22, I got arrested like six times. And For, for... Uh, DUI, MIP, which is minor in possession, uh, disorderly conduct, malicious mischief. Uh, uh, there's a couple other ones. There were some times I woke up in people's homes that I still don't know who those people are. Um, there was a time that I tried to go into somebody's home and uh, because I thought it was another home and I got a burglary charge <laughs> that got dropped. There was a time that I um, slashed all the cars at a house party. Don't remember it, but they kicked me out of the party for being too drunk. Um, just like all these, like just like things where I would wake up. There was a time I went to sleep, not even went to sleep. I got drunk. In Whistler, British Columbia, which is another country. Yeah. And I woke up in Bellingham, Washington, America. Wow. You know, like there was an international <laughs> border involved. And that, so like the fact that I made it out of not just being like this bad kid kind of surrounded by bad stuff and then to make it out of this alcoholic craziness. I flipped my mom's minivan going like 80 miles an hour in the mountains Jesus. and I landed in a patch of trees and... I had my one of my really good friends there, and, like, she's fine, and I'm fine. I didn't have a seatbelt on. So the fact that, like, all this stuff happened, it's like, I got nothing to hide. Like, yeah. I shouldn't be here. So if uh, if anybody's uncomfortable with my story or they want me to, like, put on a happy face, right. then go fuck themselves. I, don't, I love You're it. boring as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want your fucking perfect I life. Know. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. You know why I love comedians the most is because we all have these pasts and uh, 
<laughs> I love that. We, I just love comedians because we're all derelicts. Yeah. And we, we don't, we're not ashamed of it and we just show it and share it with people. And that's the best part. Yeah. It's, it's funny. Cause you know, like I used to like when people would be like, like other comedians where they'd be like, you know, it's, it's sick what we do. Like we like need the approval of strangers. And I used to mm. be like, what are you talking about? Like we're trying to get jokes. And then it's like, no, that is kind of weird that I've done this for like, 10 years every night and i like my whole attitude is like if i bomb like three nights in a row i am apoplectic <laughs> and it's like four drunk people in the back of the comedy store like are gonna dictate my like day-to-day and it's yeah. like yeah yeah i think also because my shrink said that when, when you have trauma in your past it's okay you have trauma in your past it helps to retell the story <clears throat> And what you do in therapy is tell your story over and over because like when you're a kid too, you can't make sense of what happened to you because you're, you have a child's mind and then you go back as an adult and you can piece together what happened to you. And then in tell in the telling of the story, it helps heal you. And yeah. I find that that's also what standups do unconsciously. Mm-hmm. If you, you know, if you're lucky, you can do it consciously and kind of, you know, synthesize all of that. Oh, it's so fucking deep. But can I tell you? Oh, so, so tell me, so, okay, so you said mom uh, had postpartum, so she's kind of checked out. She doesn't kind of give you what you need. It's not that she's checked out. Well, she is, but, um, so long story short, and this is still going to be long, uh, mom had postpartum and then just had regular depression. And I don't think my parents were ever very in love. I don't know. I don't, I really don't know that much about this period of my life other than I've never known my mom to be like a happy, joyful person. She's always been depressed. She's always taken trazodone, which is like, you know, like what they gave horses in the 50s. I was going to say, it sounded like a horse trank. Yeah, like I accidentally took one when I was a kid and I slept for two days. Um, (laughs) And she takes one every day. Uh, But she's always been kind of like, you know, my mom is like classic, like, I don't know how to like... My mom will make an amazing meal. My mom is an amazing chef. Uh. And the second we sit down, she will start criticizing the food. Like, uh. And I'll bring like all these comics over to eat food. And they'll be looking at it like they just arrived from Baghdad. Of course. You know? <laughs> and my mom's sitting there and she's like, oh, if the fish is dry, like, uh, just punch me in the face. You know, like she... <laughs> She's so self-loathing. It's self-loathing. the critic. It's the chatterbox. It's the inner voice telling you it's bad. And, and she's done the greatest thing ever. Yeah. And know, she, so sad. she was like that my whole life. And oh. then, you know, kind of, if you watch somebody do that enough and that's your only parent, yeah. you start doing that. Yeah. And then also my dad, um, you know, I think my dad and mom should have gotten a divorce. I wish my dad, uh, would have tried a little bit harder, but my dad, um, my dad went through some trauma when he's like a kid. 20s like his mom was like a his mom died from drinking she had esophageal cancer oh my god when he was 20 which means like that's like that's like drinking so much that it corrodes your neck yeah you know um so crazy so he wasn't an open person and then he was kind of like i didn't really know him very well and then he ended up going broke and moving to the east coast when i was 10 they divorced when i was five so I have this very insecure, manic, depressive woman with like a short fuse as my mom. Hey, yeah. no wonder I like you. <laughs> <laughs> and my dad is just like, he's out there. Yeah. I mean, he'll call. He he pays all the bills Yeah. because um, he comes from this like corporate world. So he's like got money and a life and I can see him in the summers. And he's not like, I don't like hate my dad or anything. He 
wanted me to move to Annapolis where he ended up when, in high school. He wanted me to always live with him, but I didn't like want to live there. So it's like half and half. It's like he tried. I don't think he should have moved, but I'm not mad at him about it. I'm not mad at him for divorcing my mom. My mom seems like a wreck of a lady to be <laughs> fucking <laughs> married to. Yeah, totally. Um, but yeah, I mean, I can remember just not a lot of discipline. I can remember wanting discipline like subconsciously as a kid. Yeah. I asked my parents to go to boarding school. So did I. Germany. I wanted to go to Germany. Yeah, you like I I wanted a uniform. <laughs> I wanted Well, can I tell you I got it? So cuz I failed out of public school. And my mother was very strict cuz she was a borderline. She's crazy. And Is my, she Hungarian like yes. from Hungary? Yes, both okay. my parents right. are immigrants. So that they come from a history of trauma. They grew up with, you know, con- communism, World War II. So there's a lot of trauma, a lot of just it's a nightmare and then anyway but my father's house was rule no rules and mom's house was all rules mm-hmm. uh what was the point of this what the fuck was i talking about oh we were just talking about boarding school and oh discipline. yeah anyway i failed out of uh, public school i went to public school and i got like straight d's and f's and her only option was to send me to an all-girls catholic school with uniforms and nuns in la Kenyatta? no no, there's another one. It's in uh, it's in Woodland Hills. Oh, okay. It's an all-girls school, and I loved it. And I know yeah. you're supposed to hate it, but it changed my life. The structure, the nuns, the discipline, the the godliness. I I wasn't religious, but I it, it harkened back to my early childhood of Christianity and going to school and learning about Jesus, and I liked that. And it provided a structure for me, and I healed tremendously because yeah, I yeah. was like suicidal and yeah. crazy and just you know a cutter and bug. It's funny, a I, nightmare. I was a summer camp counselor for ten years. I was like a camper for ten years, and then the mm-hmm. second they let me turn to a counselor, I was like, I'm not going anywhere because <laughs> um, right, it was awesome. It was a family, right? <laughs> it was a family. It was supportive. It had like yeah. rules about being nice. <laughs> you know, like they were like, you can't be mean to each other. Yeah. And then on top of the the number one thing was structure. Like, wake up at seven, go sure. to chapel. Eight a.m. You're gonna eat breakfast. Nine and ten a.m. You're gonna do two different activities. Uh, you know, like safe, doesn't it? <laughs> And so it's funny because I, before I even knew I was an alcoholic, um, and I've known for a while, um, before I knew I was an alcoholic, uh, I remember like always laughing. I would always be like, it's so funny how like when we're camp counselors, like all my best friends are from camp, I'd be like, we're like great camp counselors, but like the second summer's (laughs) over, we all turn to (laughs) dirtbags. Like nobody could get their shit together. And then the second you put them in the schedule, like regimented world, we were great. We were the the most amazing people. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, because it's like some of my darkest. I mean, I've smoked crack with camp counselor (laughs) friends. (laughs) You know, like on a goof. Uh, How is crack? Tell me about crack. That was an accident. I mean, I'm not... (laughs) I'm not going to say that I went out looking for crack. I, me and two of my friends from camp were in Belize and um, we were on this like three month. I was like writing my thesis for my hippie college and I was in Guatemala. Belize is right next to us. We went to Belize and there's like Belize is like black and like kind of Caribbean. So it's like, you know, really tapped into our Bob Marley loving uh, identities um, and so we would smoke weed and we met these guys and like their ringleader was the Kingsman. And the Kingsman, uh, the Kingsman sold us weed, and one day he ripped us off. And we were like, "Hey, will you? Um, could you please not rip us off?" And he was <laughs> like, "Shut up, boy!" Uh, and then we eventually got him to agree that he'd ripped us off. And then he was like, "Kingsman gonna roll you the expensive smoke." 
So we like rolled this, this big joint and we started smoking it. And I'm like, that's not weed. Mm, doesn't smell like weed. And then <laughs> it smells uh, kind of burny. <laughs> yeah. It, it tastes like marshmallows. Um, <laughs> if you could burn them mm. and then it kept, I smoked like two more times. That's fine. Uh, anyways, but I hear it doesn't last long. I hear crack. It's like a five minute. I don't think I got a good, a good high. Cause I, the whole time I was like, what the fuck <laughs> is this? And my friends though, man, they had a night because yeah. they like, it was on this little Island, like out by the barrier reef in, in Belize. And, uh, they, I can just remember them running up and down this island all night long, probably for like three hours, um, with this pack of street dogs oh. being like, come on, guys, come on. <laughs> like, like, and I was just like, I think I felt like a second of a thing, but I was probably wasted. And- yeah. Crack. I, I, uh, we used to go to goth clubs in, um, Hollywood when I was a teenager, mm-hmm. like 15 years old. And at the time, crack was really popular in L.A. and downtown and stuff. And I just remember the smell of crack being very distinct. Yeah. So on the way to these, like, wretchedly dangerous goth clubs as a teenager, it's just that smell. Like, I'll never forget the smell of crack. I opened for a comic that um, most comics know smokes crack. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you can probably put it together. Oh, I know who it yeah. is. And I opened for him. Actually, at the- at the, um, I don't even want to say this because I don't want to piss off anybody. No. Uh, but I there's, walked there's into a the, handful. You just know. I walked yeah. into his green room and I was like, that's gotta be what crack smells like. That's the smell. Because that is a gross smell. It's uh, very distinct. Yes. It's funny now though, because like, I don't know, like the last year, like last year I tried cocaine for the first time. Oh. Just like, I was like in Vegas 32. with some people it's about time. and I was like, I'll try it. I didn't think I had any and I didn't have any issues with it. I, yeah. I did cocaine and then like, I was like, well, that was great, but yeah. that's not my thing. And I kept smoking weed. Like it was, um, going out of style. Oh, weed's fantastic. Though. And, uh, but, um, but I, at that time in my life, like if somebody would have offered me crack, I probably would have tried it just to be like, this is silly. We're smoking crack. <laughs> that's so funny. I always, I d- I've done a lot of drugs, but I never got hooked on any one. Like mm-hmm. I drink wine at night, yeah. drink two glasses, but I feel like. Well, I've been hooked on cigarettes. I know that. I've had weird pho- like food phobias when I was really, like, before I was in therapy, like o- like OCD things yeah. with food, where, like, I, I wouldn't eat certain types of meat. I would count down the hours after I ate to make sure I wasn't sick, like, crazy little Oh, I got things like that. Glitches, yeah. I think everybody has that, and they're afraid to admit it. <laughs> I hope I so. mean, I'm still, like, a guy that, like, checks the stove. Yeah. Um, yeah, but, that, yeah, it's normal, right? You know, yeah, of course. Um... There's like, you know, like the other day, uh, they had to like spray some bug stuff in my apartment Mm. and I like, I was like, okay, so the poison's over there. So like, have I touched anything by the poison? Okay. I did. I should wash my hands. Okay. Eat something. Oh, you know, I'll do it. But it's, but it is so hard to not have something to lean on every now and then. Cause that is what my glass of wine is at night. It is like. In my mind, I'm like, how do people white knuckle this bitch? Like, I mean, but I think you're supposed to have things like that. Really? Is yeah. That I mean, <clears throat> I don't know about. It just seems like I mean, like if you go to like whatever like uh, indigenous cultures, like they're drinking or smoking something at bedtime. That's true, and it's only at night. And okay, but AA they don't let you. I'm sorry, the twelve steps. You're not supposed to touch anything, right? You're on full lockdown. Like you got to just white knuckle this shit. Until you die. I mean, yeah, I know. I love that. I haven't brought that up yet. Well, here, look. I have the 12 steps. 
why don't we go ahead? And, and I, I listened to the book that you're referring to that was written in the, in the, like, the 1930s. Yeah, I, I downloaded it on the Audible. The big books of Alcoholics Anonymous? I'm assuming, yeah. It's yeah. in my iPhone somewhere. And I listened to... Not all of it, because it's like it's it's really old timey. The mm-hmm. language was like, yeah. and us men, we men, men, and the thing. It's and the, so funny. Uh, it's yeah. like they were titans of industry, yeah. and we found ourselves <laughs> trellancing down the streets of industry. You're like, you're like, oh, okay, uh, yeah. And obviously, this is not to diminish anybody who's um, struggling with addiction. I, I don't mean that. I please listen, listen to your who you're listening to right now. <laughs> I'm I'm a fucking nutbag, but. Uh, okay, so this is just from Wikipedia. A 12-step program is a set of guiding principles based on blah, 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 outlining a course of action for recovery from alcoholism, drug addiction, compulsion, or any other behavioral problems. Oh, the book is called Alcoholics Anonymous, a story of how more than 100 men have recovered from alcoholism. That's the yeah. book that we're referring to. So here we go, 12 steps. Number one. We admitted we were powerless over alcohol, that our lives had become unmanageable. I'm assuming you can substitute alcohol for, well, this is Alcoholics Anonymous. Yeah, yeah. I think that they, they, I I haven't read the the, um, steps, but I think that's basically the general idea. They don't go over this shit in the meeting? I thought that's the first order of business. No, 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 no. The other ones. Like, (laughs) I don't know if they say we've admitted that narcotics are, are, you know, whatever. Well, I think that's a, that's a, we are powerless over not just <clears throat> alcohol. I would say everything in our lives about powerless, but we're not in control of much. Yeah, that comes up later. Oh, there you go. Okay, number two. Came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. And I think, isn't that where people ha- take issue? That's it's, the biggest thing that probably keeps people out of sobriety. Is the the God. The idea of a higher power. Because people people think it's like a cult. Or, I don't know, people have a really hard time being like... Because it's just, I think it's too much phobia around Christianity. But we can, if you keep going, I can... um... Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, people kind of associate that with a tough form of God. There is, this was written by um, Christian men, most likely. Sure. They don't ever say Jesus. They say if you are part of like a religious group, sometimes they'll be like, you should talk to your like priest or rabbi you know like occasionally that'll come up but i like i literally was in this like meeting in joshua tree when i had 30 days i went to this meeting in joshua tree and um i mean it's like dudes that look like they look like coal miners prospectors there's like marines natives like this is not a hip group of guys (laughs) and this other dude came in there and he was like hey i accidentally walked in here and i'm not an alcoholic but i'm so happy to hear you share and i just wanted to tell you that i am a servant of jesus and the second he Uh. said jesus i'm talking like these are fucking rednecks they turned to him and they were like Shut up. <laughs> Don't bring that shit in here. <laughs> Keep that Jesus out of here. Yeah. Man. So it's like if you it. think it's a Jesus program, it's not a fucking not. Jesus program. Well, that's okay. That's good to know for yeah. people who are listening. So okay, here's number three. Made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. And I think that's kind of important in this, correct? It's God as we understood him. Mm-hmm. So that's the most a, important part. Right. It's not, a, it's not our definition of God. Number four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. <sighs> That's fucking hard as shit to do. That's what I've been going through. So like, is that where you're kind of... I'm, I'm on the sixth step. Okay. It's fine. 
So you literally go through these one. You have to go through them in chronological. Mm -hmm. Oh, dare that makes sense, right? Okay. Number five. <laughs> I'm like, I'm never sorry. I've never done this before. <laughs> Number five. Admit it to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrong. So this is like, wow. You, it's like atonement. Yeah. Yeah. Number six. We're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Number seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Number eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Number nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Number 10, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, properly admitted it. 11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And finally, 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to alcoholics and to practice these principles in all affairs, all our affairs. Sounds pretty fucking cool to me, actually, right? Yeah, you know, so recovery. I'll say a couple things. Please. Um, first of all, I have only been sober for 130 days That's a from lot, marijuana. I have not drank for five years almost. Um, so my sobriety date's October 6, 2014. Um, I, <clears throat> so I'll say this. I, I'm not like an old school sober person. I don't understand the complexities of sobriety. I haven't been tested beyond these 130 days. And I haven't even finished my 12 steps, so I have a lot of work to do. So great. Anybody, this, this is great, though. Anybody listening who is, like, going, like, right now, like, this motherfucker doesn't know shit. <laughs> this is what I understand it to be. And, I, you know, I go to a meeting every day, and I think that I have a pretty good understanding of sobriety, but I can't speak on it, like, from, like, there's some people who have 40 years of sobriety and they're obviously going to have a deeper understanding, a more nuanced understanding. Um, but maybe, but this is your journey this is yeah. where you are and let's, we'll, we'll respect where you are in the process. I think the main thing about it is that you go in there usually in a place of you, not many people walk into a going like, all right, I'm doing great. <laughs> like, <laughs> let's keep it that way. You know, like right. they mostly go in there cause they've hit like a spiritual rock bottom. Sure. Um, it doesn't always have to be like a rock, rock bottom. A lot of people do. They're like poor, they're homeless. They've wasted things. They've squandered things. Um, for me, it wasn't that it was just that I had hit this like spiritual dead zone. Like I just didn't have, I had no hope. I had no inspiration. I had no happiness or joy. I did not like me. Um, I didn't like what I was doing. It was just like I was just not in good shape. I had money. I had a job. I had friends. I had girlfriends. Um, but uh, it just, I, did, I was not happy. And I think it was really just like, I, I'll call it like a spiritual rock bottom because mm -hmm. that's where I was at. And it was obvious. It was like I was trying to quit smoking weed and I was not. And I was smoking as much as I possibly could. The second I started, there was no holding back. I wanted to get as high as I possibly could. And I was doing crazy shit, you know? I was sleeping with women who I had no business sleeping with. Um, I was uh, hanging out with people I didn't like. I was going, just doing weird stuff, you know? Like, so you're out of control. I was out of control. My life was unmanageable. I was in the writer's room of this job, like... You know, 
such a fortunate job for me to get as a stand-up comic. I'm so lucky to be there. And I'm, like, sitting there, like, pulling my hair out because I'm just having anxiety attacks. You know, like, just all this crazy shit. And then I needed to get help. So I went to this 12-step program to stop smoking weed. And then the idea is, like, for me, my understanding of my higher power is, like, I am not in control. I yeah. just can't do this. And that's like, we, there's like a saying in the big book, uh, which is Alcoholics Anonymous. They say self-will run riot. Mm. And that was me. That was me for my whole life. My whole life, I was trying to call the shots. I thought if I tried really hard, I could make things happen and I could control this and I could fix that and I could... Isn't that what they say? It's your best thinking that got you here. Yeah. Right? Like yeah. it's your... I listen to Marianne Williamson. Oh, okay. <laughs> and yeah. The Course in Miracles, it's very similar, actually, to what Marianne Williamson yeah. preaches, talks about the 12 steps. Because you could 12-step pretty much everything. I mean, like I honestly, like, I don't, I'm not trying to, like, recruit anybody, but I don't think anybody would hurt themselves run, running themselves through the 12 steps. No. Like, I think if we had, like, mandatory, like, you have to go through these steps oh as, a, as a society, we'd have a happier world. I think you're right about that. Um, but yes, you can't control it. And, and it is that thing of, cause I, I was a big controller too. And I say this a lot on the show that the reason I started this podcast is cause I had a, a spiritual breakdown in a hotel room where I was drinking in the middle of the day and crocheting and crying <laughs> on the road. And I was like, wait, wait a minute. And I'm I wasn't, yeah, I wasn't a daytime drinker. I just started doing that and yeah. I go, okay, this is wrong. Yeah. And it was also the sad realization that wow, is that all there is? Like, uh, no amount of success has made me feel good. Mm -hmm. No amount of drinking or crocheting or any of these things is going to fill that hole. Yeah. Now what? Yeah. What the fuck is happening? And that's when I started this show. I'm trying to figure it out. I guess that's the unconscious through line here. I mean, I think that that's like, uh, for me, I have no idea what my higher power is. I, I I, I even still feel weird saying it. I know it sounds, doesn't it sound like su- super corny? Yeah. You say that shit to people and you're like, oh, higher power. Um, boy. Yeah. It's like, great. <sighs> Nerd. Uh, yeah. This, this guy's going to try to get us to buy his book. Um, <laughs> but I, honestly, for me, it's just like, it's just that I know I'm not in control. So wh- whatever it is, it's got me. I just fall back and I'm like, all right, I'm going to do this, this, and this today. And I don't know what else is going to happen, but going to try to do my best on those things because a big part of it is like staying present you know like one day at a time is like a big saying in AA and I mean obviously everybody literally goes one day at a time and two should but you know depression is past thinking and anxiety is future thinking wow and man you gotta tell that to Oprah that's a fucking good one I forgot who told me that but depression is past thinking anxiety is future thinking yeah not not in the present you're either back or you're forward yeah man that is the truth and so it's just for me it's like I finally surrendered this idea that Andy Haynes is going to be able to control anything yeah anything I can't control anything all I can do is show up Mm. And I try my best. Sometimes I don't do my best, but tomorrow I'll try harder. And maybe I won't. Maybe I'll like for four weeks, I'll be a dog shit person. (laughs) But hopefully (laughs) I stay in contact with my higher power, whatever that is. And I, um, you know, I've started praying. I don't think it's like that. All these things have such a stigma around them. But for me, it's just like 
get out of my fucking head. That's what yeah. I pray for. I pray to I pray to stop thinking about me. Well, to get out of your ego brain because it's that that ego mind, the negative shit, the chattering. And if you listen to that as opposed to tapping into that higher power, right? There's two frequencies. Yeah. There's a frequency that's your ego, the lies that your brain will tell you, and then there's the high road. And you want to tap into that high road as much as possible. <laughs> yeah, and it's because, like, you know, like I used to pray all the time as a kid, but I prayed that, um, you know, Christine Huber would let me have sex with her <laughs> and that I would win the X Games. And that, like, I, I think right. God is just like, yeah, I'm good, dude. What are you doing? Like, it's like, right. are you all right? Uh, and then now I just pray, you know, I pray that I can stop thinking about myself. Yeah. And I, so anyways, like, that's a big part of it. You, you kind of, you want to get, so you, um, you turn your life over. And then the the inventory is basically... You just go through your life and you think about like all your resentments and you think about all the people you have beef with. I mean, you start as you go as far back as you can and you talk about people that have resentments against you and people you have resentments against and things that happened. And you go through all the people you've slept with and you go, how did I treat this situation? And like, why do I have beef with this person? And what did I do to this person? And then when you get to that next step, you go through all that and you tell somebody Usually somebody, it's usually your sponsor because now um, everybody has sponsors. When they wrote the book, there wasn't really the sponsor thing going on. Um, well, I have to burp. Okay. Oh, you can do that on my show. I know. I was so yeah, charmed when you, you burped on stage <laughs> at the punchline. Uh, of course. But, um, and then you just sit there and you tell everybody, you just, you tell your sponsor, you just go through everything you ever did. The darkest shit, which is hard. It took like five hours. Dude, that five hours. Wow. But that's the essence of therapy and of everything is to go to the dark place mm-hmm. because that's the hole. And that's the, the place from which all the, the, the bad shit comes. And either you sit in those bad feelings, you process those bad feelings, or you reach out compulsively yeah. and to assuage those bad feelings. And yeah. that's what this is. This is, to me, this seems to be what that is. We're yeah. at the dark spot. Let's go find that dark shit. Let's give it up to God. And let it go. Let that shit go. That's the main idea is like you want to let it go. You want to quit hanging on to that. And now, so now that I've done that, I'm like almost done with my sixth step. And the seventh step is kind of in the same ballpark. It's like I'm just going through my character defects. And I'm like writing examples of what my character defect is. And then I'm like praying to be relieved of those. I'm thinking about opposite actions. I've been a selfish person. I've been a irresponsible person. I've been a mean person. I've been a violent person. So I'm going through all those things. And it's like, honestly, like I still feel corny saying all of it. I do not give a fuck what you think anymore. Yeah. Not you. Yes. Yes. I totally appreciate you having me on here, but, um, I can't pretend, you know, like I just been through the ringer. I don't care. Like yeah. if somebody's like, dude, you're like into God. It's <laughs> like, yeah, I am. I need it. I'm sorry that you think that's corny. It's not cool. <laughs> it's not YOLO. It's not like, right. like, it's not like I'm like, I, and for the longest time, like, you know, I had this like, you know, cause I have these like little friends in comedy, little friends, I'm, they're young people who are like, you know, they can get up and like talk about like, uh, you know what's her name like um what's it ariana grande and you know they can like talk in like street parlance and they're like people at studios are just like hey can we throw like how much money can we throw at you (laughs) right and i used to be like i want to be that but i don't care anymore this is me and 
I think there's a lot of people out there that share these feelings. Uh, I guarantee there are, because you're going to hear from them once they listen to you on the show. <laughs> because that's what I found, too, is that the, the more well, you keep a 100 uh, yeah. in life with people, with others, with your comedy, with whatever, just the better stuff comes your way. Yeah. That comes with everything in Did life. you read that Four Agreements? I mean, yeah. everybody's read it. Listen, man, you name it, I've read it. I yeah. love the self-help I'm all feeling good handbook. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know. I, I don't know that. The feeling one. good handbook's a Write great that one. one down. Five pillars of self esteem. Yeah, I know that. That's one. That's a good one. Can I tell you which one I'm on? Maybe something you said. Um, Susan Jeffers. She writes "Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway." Okay. No, I haven't read that. Oh, one. you got to read it. It's, I'm a big self help. So am I. Like I will read them all. Can I tell you what's great about having a nook? Is that I now download books. And the, I would be so embarrassed to buy in public. I just download them now, and I'm like, it's all self-help. How to milk the prostate. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> but you know what she says? So there's this new book by Susan Jeffers I downloaded about, about how to, like, contain your anxiety and fear about mm-hmm. stuff. And she goes, this is my favorite. She's like, don't worry about outcome, like what you were talking about. She goes, you can't control outcome of things. You can't control how your day is going to go. You have an idea, but you don't know. She goes... <laughs> make it positive so so go like i'm gonna go to the doctor today and you know i may find out i'm dying of cancer or i may not so (laughs) i'm just gonna wonder what's gonna happen it's like i love that put wonder into your life like i wonder what's gonna happen yeah but when you go into it with a sense of adventure life (laughs) i want i wonder if i'll get killed in traffic today as opposed to like that's great the doom of it it's like well just put some wonder into it and you know i i think that this is like honestly like i think this is like probably the biggest reason why we have all these issues now is that we are not important yeah in the sense of like we aren't yeah. There's so many of us. We're all just these really smart animals. Yeah, some of us. We're we're smart. Uh, I mean, moderately. I think your dog is probably smarter than it's a lot of people. I really like that dog. Is it a it's is it a girl or a boy? It's a boy. Okay, because it's got tits. Yeah, Huxable. yeah um, it's from your mom's house. But uh, so what? I, but like you know, it's we don't have any connection to our survival. And we're looking so we we just want to mean something in this world. Yeah, and it's so hard. Like depression, I really think comes from like that. The, like you said, you hit that spiritual bottom. It's like you're like especially as comics. Like what a weird thing. Like we go around the country. We stay in these shitty hotels. We go to these like weird nightclub places, and we try to make these strangers laugh. And that is how <laughs> we put food in our mouths. I know. And it's like what we're DNA wise trained to do is like run through the forest chasing a deer, yeah. and like we're supposed to stab him in the throat. And it's a real, it's a relational thing. Yeah, and we have no connection Tangible. to that. And so I think that there's something like there's something beautiful about that idea of like that wonder because like honestly, it's gonna be tragic if either of us die. But it's also like well, when we die, not if. You never know (laughs) the cloud, Uh, (laughs) but you know, like, I don't know. It's like, it's also kind of funny when people die. Like sometimes like, like, I hope it's really funny when I die. I hope (laughs) I like, it'd be really funny if I'm like an old man and I get attacked by like a bunch of really flatulent clowns. (laughs) (laughs) Even if I died, people would have a hard time. They'd be like, yeah, I guess it was tragic. It was funnier than sad. (laughs) 
just all these clowns <laughs> farting and beating me with baseball bats. Oh my god, I would love to see that. I, I hope they get acquitted. That, <laughs> oh no. So wait, there's another one I want to. I wrote down a note because I liked what you had said. Oh, you said to stop thinking about yourself so much to get out of your own head. And um, I've read in self-help books that mm-hmm. the key to that is service to others. Yeah. To... And that's like the later steps. Oh, right. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah. So when you're a fully actualized person, in essence, you, you're able to give back, to give to other people, to think of others. Yeah. So basically what I'm doing now is I'm going through character defects. And then next I will try to make amends to people that I've hurt. Um, some I don't think I'll do you know like there's like girlfriends I cheated on and you're just not supposed to do that because it's like I don't date her anymore she's got like a new life she doesn't need to know that I hurt her um but um but uh then I will go through the men's and then it's kind of like the last part of it's like all right so keep on doing this stuff where you like make inventories and you like try to stay conscious of your bad shit and then you try to like say sorry when you do something wrong and you try to have a like a really good spiritual relationship with your higher power. And then like the biggest thing, and this is what I constantly hear in the program, the most rewarding thing is like, okay, here's like, you've done all this shit. Now here's some sick people get in there and yes. like do the same thing that I did for you. Yeah. It's like that, that movie American Sniper, right? Is that mm-hmm. the, is that the, yeah. the name? Yeah, and that got poor man finally gets his shit together, gets his head right, and then he gets killed by the very person he's trying to help. So that's cool. But I yeah, I don't happen. hope I don't die you trying won't. to help my sponsor. Sponsee. You won't. But that is the essence is to give back and to uh, to help other people through their bullshit when you're strong enough to do it. Yeah, and I think that, you know, like, we all have that. Uh, we all we all know what that feels like. Like, I don't. I don't know anybody that's ever gone to like volunteer and come out of it being like, oh, these fucking homeless people. All they did was want soup. You know, it's like, that feels great. Right. Of course. Yeah. Ugh. God, everybody's so smelly. I think I did when I was a teenager, but whatever. Well, so again, I'm happy that you're, you've been sober for how much? 130 days. That's pretty good. Yeah. That's hard. I imagine the first like, Week is the hardest, or who I don't know what's the hardest. I mean, it's the hardest hard. right it's now hard. is like a lot of it's like, uh, you know, I'm going like on the 311 cruise next week. What's that? It's like this stoner band. Oh, 311, the band. Yeah. I thought I thought it was code for something Mm-mm. in the program. So I'm gonna go and I'm gonna like be on this boat with a bunch of stoners and I'm gonna be with Doug Benson, who's like the oh, king no. of the stoners. Yeah, and uh, it's just hard because it's like. I don't want to get high, but yeah. I'll be around it a lot. And, like, also, like, a lot of my comedy was about how much I love smoking weed. Yeah. And so now I'll go to shows and people will be like, dude, I brought a joint for you. And I'm like, mm. I'm sorry, I don't want your joint. You know? So what do you do when you're when you're around it? Like, how do you cope with? Now I try to, what I've been doing lately is I, if if it's somebody I know, I say, hey, I'm sorry, I don't smoke weed anymore. But if it's somebody I don't know, I just go, hey, man, I'm good. Or I go, hey, I, I maybe later, you know, I would love to say like I'm sober and blah blah blah, but it's too much for them. Too much information, right? Yeah. You don't it's, want you, them to get into it. And... I don't want them to feel bad. Like a lot oh. of people feel bad now when they offer me drugs because <laughs> they're like, oh, I'm sorry, like I didn't. So now I just go, I'm good, you know. Yeah. And that's usually always like nobody's ever like, come on, because I wasn't like a pot celebrity. 
Right. Nobody's oh like, I got to get high with Andy Haynes. You know, and that's like, a hard identity because there are some comedians who do build their identities, their comedic identities on substance abuse. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Those guys don't tend to last forever. I relapsed once with uh, Doug Stanhope just because I wanted oh, to drink go. with Doug Stanhope. Who doesn't? Yeah. Want to drink with Doug Stanhope. I mean, it was great. Yeah. Well, then, you know. I think I got banned from the stress factory that night for telling the guy not to say the N-word. Uh, we don't need to get in. You know, it's not Doug. Doug wasn't saying the N word. Somebody else there was. Um, and you got banned for telling them not to say it. Yeah, that doesn't. He was work. calling Afghani people like the sand, sand N word. Hmm. And I was like, "Come on, we like, blew up their country. Give them a break." People in New York are very sensitive about that whole nine eleven thing. So yeah, I bet. <laughs> oh my god. Well, we all. Are. Well, okay. Well, thanks for being here, Andy Haynes, and for um, for. Like describing all the stuff and maybe... Sorry if I didn't... Um, I, I talked so much about me before we got to the steps. What are you but talking about? I, the, uh, your story is delightful. You did it you. just right. See, there's a, there's a self-credit. You did yeah. fantastically. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for having great. me. And listen, I'll have you back in, I don't know, what, a year and we can discuss... In a year, I'm going to read like. like a bunch of books too. <laughs> give, me, give me your best self-help hits. Yeah. And guys, also, if you want to... Ask me questions about anything, anything, anything. Try to be nice for fuck's sake, but write to me. <laughs> don't be like, Whoa, what's your pussy like? Like, don't, <laughs> don't ask me about that kind of, you know what I'm saying? Legit. Um, that's deepropodcast at gmail.com. And yeah, thanks, Andy. You're awesome. Thank you. It was so much fun. That's Deep Bro. All right. I have an outro song. Here it goes. Cool. <laughs> now what? I don't know. Philosophize with philosophize with Christina P, a.k.a. Miss Jeans. This ain't your mom's house. It's a different theme. Gotta be critically thinking. Like you caught up at a cocktail party. Our thoughts start to sink in. John Locke, or was it Socrates? Aristotle or Plato, maybe Hippocrates. Got us talking all properly, topically. Just a comedian discussing these philosophies. Serious questions, silly people. What's that? That's tea, bro. It is the ultimate metaphor for life, and you know what that is? What? That's deep, bro. That's deep, bro. That's deep, bro. That's deep, bro. That's deep, bro.